In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, You who are everywhere present and fill all things, Treasury of all that is good, Master of life, come, dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. Amen. Well, we're going to continue in this session uh, meditating on this mystery. If you remember what mystery is, if you heard the previous session, it is the deep interior dimension of an event. When the person performing the event is the Word of God, obviously it has an infinite depth. He's God. And that's why they call his work, what he does, a theandric act. It's a God-man act. It has an infinite depth. Which means, even when we finish this series, there's a lot left to do. Centuries more of stuff to do. But we can do that in heaven. Right now we'll do our part here. All right, we'll start again. And on the third day, for those who heard the rest, you know the significance of that. After On the next day, next day, next day, next day, through the rest of chapter 1, after the prologue, on the third day, okay, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. I've been there. Uh, and the mother of Jesus was there. So get ready, folks. Something's going to happen. Why would he stop and tell us that? You see? The only time Mary will come up again is at the cross. And there again, she will be called woman. And everything that's inaugurated here symbolically is completed, in fact, at the cross. And that's why she's woman in both places, as I hope to explain. And she doesn't appear anywhere else in John's Gospel. So that's very significant. We're looking at the beginning and the end, embracing the whole of the story of the Gospel. Okay. And Jesus was invited and his disciples to the wedding. And with the wine running short, the mother of Jesus said to him, they don't have wine. Now, this is going to be the first surprise the way I'm going to translate this. Jesus said to her, what is that to, to me and to you, woman? Now, what is that to you and me? That is a uh, typical Semitic phrase, Jewish, Aramaic, even Arabic, I think. Uh, what is this between us? Why, why are you telling me this? But deeper than that, you see. But the last word shows us why. He calls her woman. No man in that culture would ever call his mother woman, ever. He calls uh, the Samaritan woman woman, Mary Magdalene woman, but his own mother no one ever does that. So why does he say woman? Which woman is she here? She's Eve. She shall be called woman because she's taken from the man. So when he says, what is that to you and me, woman? He's already saying, mother, you know how much I love you, how much I'm indebted to you, how I bind you to my soul and all that I do. But I want to tell you, there's a new level of relationship starting here. From now on, you're Eve and I'm Adam. And we're starting now the new creation. 
You say that's exceedingly subtle. Not really. Once you hear it, you get it. You know? So it's nice that we have these great saints and mystics who have been doing this for 2,000 years who help us out. Uh, then we can come along with philology and concordances and everything and say that's first place, the only place he appears, and never does a Semitic man call his wife, his, his mother, woman. Okay? Uh, now the next surprise. This next line can be translated, my hour has not yet come, or has not my hour come? And you say, well, don't you think they could be clearer? Well, yeah, but this is their language. They don't have, you know, problem with it. It's like a Frenchman hearing us and gets confused once in a while. But a friend, Cardinal now, uh, Van Waugh, studied this turn of phrase. And I'm not going to go into all the argument. It's grammatical. But the text says, really, what is that to you and me, woman? See, now you're Eve. Has not my hour already come? We're on a new level now. We're not just at a wedding. Something's going to happen here. And that's why, you see, the mom, Mary, turns around, the mother, to the servants and says, whatever he says to you, do it. As I've already pointed out to you, that's Sinai talk, right? Three times the people say, whatever the Lord has said, we will do. So now she says to him, do you, do you see how if we're sensitive, if you go back to my example, 200 years ago our forefathers brought forth upon this, it brings you to a whole capacity to relate, okay? So, she said, uh, whatever he tells you, do. So, there were there uh, uh, water jars um, according to the purification of the Jews. That's a beautiful thing. But it's imperfect. The ceremonial washing does not purify our spirit so that we can behold the Trinity forever. Only the blood of Christ. And so, it's another sign of being something being lifted from one level. It's a beautiful thing. God gave them these things to preserve their faith and protect them so that in the midst of a hostile pagan, pagan culture, the core of them would stay faithful. So you need practices for them. So this is one of them. Okay? They held two or three meters, about 40 gallons. And there were uh, six of them. 240 gallons Jesus is going to make into wine. That means he likes celebration. He doesn't like drunkenness, but he likes celebration. He likes to be at a wedding. He wants to say, by my presence here, I am telling you, marriage is a good and precious thing. It comes from my Father. If I call you to celibacy, be celibate, but never look down on the married. They are called the sanctity another way. All the fathers of the church pick that up and say, by his presence here, he's blessing weddings. He's blessing marriages. Well, we better move on this time. So Jesus said to these waiters, fill those water jars up to the top. And they filled them right up to the top. And he said to them, now, uh, pour it out, you know, scoop it out, and bring it to the master of ceremonies, really. 
the so they brought it. And now the story gets very interesting, see? As the head waiter, the master of ceremonies, tasted the water become wine. What a beautiful line, right? Water become wine. Do you know how many places that refers to besides this? Your life, my life. Without Jesus, it's water. With his word, it's wine. See, the water become wine. And, uh, but they did not know where it came from. The head waiter. The servants knew uh, who had poured out the water. <coughs> so, <coughs> the head waiter calls over the, the, the groom. It's the only time in the story the groom appears and the bride never appears. So who are the most important people in this wedding scene? As St. Thomas already pointed out for us, Jesus and Mary talking about this new covenant, which Jesus is beginning here uh, and uh, will continue, okay? Uh, so you all know the story. So the head waiter says to the groom, every man first puts out the good wine. And when they've been drinking for a while, the stuff is not so good. That makes sense, right? Because by that time, they don't care. You know, They're not drunk, but they're happy. So they don't need the good wine now. But you kept the good wine unto now. Who is he at that point? He's the whole Jewish people tasting the wine that Jesus has made, the new law. You've kept this till now. The now is our now. The now of the church. You see? Uh, okay. That's the last line of the story. You see? Uh, you have kept this until now. Now it begins John's commentary for just uh, two verses, actually one. Jesus did this thing, the beginning of his signs. Literally, this, the beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana and Galilee. The first of his signs. So what's a sign? See, a sign is something that points to something else. Suppose we're driving to Chicago. We're on the highway, and a sign says, Chicago. I say, well, here we are. I'll park. No, 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 not here. This is a sign. You have to follow the sign. You don't park under the sign. But it leads you to Chicago or to Jesus in this case. You see, it's a sign to help you. All the miracles of Jesus that, you know, are called signs. There are seven signs in John. I'm not going to give them to you now. So after I finish, you can start to think. And if you're sitting with somebody else, see if you can figure out the seven signs. Would be good practice. Uh, okay. This was the archi, the beginning, the, the principle. Uh, yeah, this, the, the, the beginning. But the beginning, not like only the first in line, but this sort of beginning of a whole new way of relating. Okay? In Cain of Galilee. And he revealed his glory. And his disciples began to believe in him. The text says, Episteson, which is past tense, but we know it's what they call an inceptive aorist. They began to believe, wow, 
Look what he just did. Who is this person? We've already come to love and admire and be attracted to and know that he's somebody special. But who is he? Now, how much of this water to wine, old law, new law, they got, I don't know. Nobody knows. When we get to heaven, we can ask him. But John sees it. And as he writes it, he's trying to help us by this method of illusion. You see, he's alluding to the whole liturgical practice of his people. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be back to that in a moment. After this, he went down to Capernaum. He and his mother, who's now the first in line, you see, and his brothers and his disciples, and he remained there uh, not many days. Where did he go? He went to Capernaum, which is, according to the synoptics, that's his uh, home base. He's moved from Nazareth there. Uh, Matthew even says in one place, he went to his own city, meaning Capernaum, not Nazareth. And so we have that uh, uh, notice. What I'm going to do in the last section that we work on in this uh, beautiful uh, mystery uh, is try to penetrate it for ourselves a bit with the help of other like great saints and mystics who have worked on this before us. Uh, and that will be how we will then get a full sense of this text and then be able to move on the next time to the next instance, incident in John's Gospel after Cana, which we're going to do in the next session. But then the next session after that, we'll do the dialogue with Nicodemus. Nakdimon ben Gurion, a very famous man in Jerusalem. Okay. <laughs>